Hello, Casey. We're having a busy day. We are having a busy day. Today is the first day of um, the fall semester that we're recording. We are back for season four. Boom. In full effect. In full effect. I'm really feeling that full effect. Yeah. today students are coming back to campus well they already moved back onto campus classes are starting up students may be transitioning from virtual learning to in-person learning or still having virtual learning how is that going well you know so we are one of those campuses um who is coming back um you know on time as expected we, we got we're still in the pandemic it's we got the Omicron variant spicing things up and a number of universities have taken different approaches, right? Like some um, like a, an Ivy League school down the street, for example, is um, virtual for a few weeks and then um, then they'll be on ground. But then they're being advised not to go to local restaurants or stores or anything. Um, we're coming back and we, you know, the testing, we've got N95 masks, all that stuff. Um, yeah, but so different schools. With a N95 on? Oh my God. I'll tell you about that later. Um, but so anyway, we're one of those schools that is, that is back as scheduled. Some are starting later and skipping spring break. We did that last spring. And let me tell you, spring break is very important for mental health. So here we are back. Um, I feel like it's still too soon for me to, you know, to know necessarily how folks are doing. But, you know, I, I taught a couple of classes this morning and it's a mixed bag in terms of how students are doing, I think. Mm. Yeah, can it's. We, can we get a peek inside that bag? <laughs> you want to. All right. Here's the peek. Um, I mean, so I asked students, you know, at. at Toward the end of class, I had students write down a few words about how they were doing. Um, and then we shared some of those out loud and then they turned them into me and I saw, you know, more of, you know, what's what's going on for folks. Um, and just because I think it's really important to be very open about mental health um, and open about the fact that everything's not, quote unquote, normal um, and that folks are struggling. But also, like, you got to know your audience, right? Like. Am I dealing with a bunch of people who are like excited and ready to learn? Or am I dealing with a bunch of folks who are s stressed out and anxious? And um, so anyway, the first, the first student who said something, he said, I'm curious. And I was like, whoa, that is great. That's wonderful. I'm also trying to be more curious instead of- Ready to learn. Yes, great. I'm trying to be more curious and less critical or less judgy to just be like, hmm, pause. I wonder, I wonder why that person cut me off in traffic or I wonder, you know, why this student is acting this way. I'm curious. Um, so anyway, that was surprising. And then the next student said, oh, I'm motivated. I was like, oh, wonderful. We're doing wow. great. Um, and so, you know, of course, like it's much easier to share when you're doing well than when you're not. So, of course, then we were hearing, you know, I'm tired, I'm nervous, um, I'm hungry, um, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, but we also had excited and optimistic. One student said, I'm introspective. Ooh. 
wonderful. It's a great time of year to be introspective. Um, one student said low energy. So, I mean, and I was looking at this list, you know, motivated, nervous, happy, anxious, stressed, optimistic, low energy. It's like, I'm all of those things. You know, I sort of like cycle through those in the day. And so, you know, it's helpful to see. And then, you know, when I was looking, once I got back to my office, um, uh, people shared a lot more negative, what we would consider negative emotions of, you know, sadness and loneliness and and hopelessness. Um, and I'm glad that they wrote that down or willing to share that um, with me because I think it's important to express that stuff. But, you know, students are, are carrying a lot with them. Um, when they're back here in the classroom, whether that's in person or, or online? Well, we do know, right? One of the most important things in higher education I have learned is students' sense of belonging and students' sense of community. That's right. That's a, it, with this pandemic that's been so difficult, so many students have been isolated from communities that have enriched their lives and supported them and uplifted them while they're completing their undergrad or graduate studies. So hopefully as we embark upon this new year, mm -hmm. students will have a chance to rejoin their communities that so many of us love. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, uh, all the educators who I know are really like keenly aware of this and, and know that, you know, creating that sense of belonging and connection and offering grace to students who are out of practice, who are struggling. I mean, I'm struggling. Like all, all of us are to some degree. And, and I think, um, you know, taking a, a care in our approach with students is, is important for all of us. So maybe giving students grace is a two-way street. They provide their instructor with grace. And yes. Grace is extended. Yes. And, it, you know, honestly, I'm in a like a day-by-day -day kind of <laughs> mindset oh, well, right oh, now. Maybe, like, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, teaching always terrifies me. I don't know. Like, do you, did you have the sense when you were a student that your professors were nervous on the first day of school? Some, not just the first day, the, the, the whole, the whole time. Are you talking about me? No, not you. You're talking about me. No, uh, yeah, no, not you, not you, not me. Okay. Well, I do feel that way. Nervous every class for the whole semester. Yes, I think with some professors, it's more clear. Um, but with others, it seems like we're just rolling. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's interesting because like, I love teaching more than anything. And I always feel, I mean, just like people love being a student, but there's this sense of dread right before the semester starts. I mean, pandemic or not, it's like, oh, no, this big shift is about to come from, you know, a time of hopefully break and rest into this the gear of the semester and we're going to meet all new people and there's all this unknown stuff that's exciting but it's also terrifying um and so yeah all of that and then you add in the stress and the you know all the unknowns with the pandemic and whew, it is a lot um and it's what um you know that's the whole point of the university is is to gather um to have class to learn together um and, you know, so that gives me life as much as it also gives me anxiety. I just thought of the theme of this episode sitting here. Uh-oh. How to survive the fall semester. Mm. The spring semester. How to survive the spring. See, it's so disorienting. These are disorienting times. <laughs> 
And also, Jamil, you're not a student anymore. What do you know? What do you know? I'm over here like, are we in fall? Are we in spring? Um, No, how to survive the spring semester. Yeah. Yes. Do you have tips for faculty? I have tips for students. Tips for faculty? I don't know. I mean, truly like offering offering grace to students and, and checking in a lot about mental health, however that looks. Um, and because we, we know there's a documented mental health crisis among college students, um, and we can have a big impact on that in our classrooms. Um, so, you know, the way that one of the ways that I create community in my classes is by having us draw together um, and draw a three minute self portrait at the beginning of class. It's a unique thing it's a vulnerable thing we share those pictures with each other and that that shared kind of odd experience um uh, sort of breaks the ice um and, and creates a, a a community space in the classroom and it's a ritual that we start with um so i love that i you know getting to know students you know putting more attention on on knowing students calling them by their name knowing you know, something about them and really trying to create those relationships is, is even more so important now um, than under normal conditions, I guess. Yeah. And also, one thing I'll say, because I'm going to forget this, because it's the first day of school, um, the spring semester does always give me some sense of hope because the days get longer mm. and, you know, we start out and, you know, I have a class that ends at 440. When that class gets out, you know, it's starting to get dark. By the end of the semester, it's going to be dark for hours after that class ends. So the temperatures get warmer, the days get longer, the sun shines more. And so that, for me, um, like I know the, the reward at the end of the spring semester is summertime. Mm. See, a few things come to mind for me especially with this pandemic in mind, you know, this pandemic for a lot of people may expand their already existing inequities. Oh, yes. The first week of school, the first thing I'm thinking about is textbooks, you know, folks trying to afford the high price of textbooks. And I'm not sure if I would tell you this story. Um, I got to a point where I was tired of buying textbooks. It happened very quickly because textbooks can easily cost you $600 a semester. You know, you need a math code that's $120. You need a code for a language, which may be 120 again. Then you need like four or five textbooks. Next thing you know, you're at $600 um, before the first week of school ends. Yep. Here are some hacks that I have. Okay. For students that may be listening about textbooks. Um, see if your bookstore that you're buying the textbook from price matches online. Bookstores tend to have a higher price for textbook than yeah. maybe Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And some bookstores, um, ours do sometimes, I'm not sure if they do it all the time, but they price match with online services. So inquire, shop around, right? See if you need the book in person with you. Is an online edition okay? Is an older edition that may be cheaper extremely similar because sometimes they just change the cover or change the rotation of chapters. So ask your faculty member, is older editions very similar? See if the book is sitting in your public or your university library. 
and it may be reserved. So sometimes libraries put books on reserve that you can't check out for the day. You can only have it for a couple hours. If that's the case, if the book is on reserve, hear me out, everybody. Take the book to the scanner. That's right. And sit there for 30, 40 minutes, scan the book. Your syllabus may tell you what chapters you need. You may not need the whole book. You may need seven chapters. I did that. I proceeded to print the chapters because I needed it in person. It was a lot cheaper to print 100 pages than it was to buy the textbook. Also, I know our university does this. I'm sure there's other services at other universities. You know, are there departments that have libraries that you can check out a textbook for for the semester? And does your dean of students cover the cost of textbooks if you're having uh. Those things are true at our university. You know, our multicultural center has a library. Our dean of, dean of um, students, he offers some limited resources around textbook relief. I would say look into them. Weigh your options before you buy them. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. I think often standard textbooks are not in libraries because I feel like there's some kind of deal between publishers and libraries so that people have to buy the book. Yeah, I think it depends on the course, right? Like if you're taking an English class. That's right. Sure, these literature books is probably available at your local library. Absolutely. If you're looking for a geometry textbook, maybe not. Right. But it's always worth a look. Always worth a I look. I mean, yeah, if you're if you're talking about like a $150 textbook and you can scan it in 20, 30 minutes, you just made a lot of money. Oh, yeah, I sure did. And I actually printed it at work, so I didn't even pay for the. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get creative when you're a college student. You gotta get creative. You do. So I, I, this is a, uh, somehow this reminded me of the story that I wanted to tell you from today, um, which is not at all related to textbooks, um, but in terms of sort of advice for students, or not even advice, but uh, let me just share this story with you and, and we'll see what you think. Um, so I, you know, I'm wearing an N95 mask teaching, um, two classes in a row, um, 10 minutes in between them and teaching and public speaking, especially if you're a nervous person, it's a very like physical act. Like it's like exercise, you know I mean? Like you're breathing hard, um, and voice getting shaky. I mean, it's like a physical experience. Um, and you're wearing an N95 mask, it's super hard to breathe. And when you are nervous, it is really difficult. Um, and then like your nose running, it's like a whole thing. It's very unpleasant. But as you know, like I always come out in all my classes, um, on the first day and coming out is, uh, even though I've done it like so many times and I'm like out in all of these circumstances, it's still like quite terrifying and mm -hmm. very vulnerable. Um, and I try to like be cool about it. Uh, but my, I just have a visceral response, you know, where like, it makes me like sweaty. It makes my voice shaky. It makes it hard to breathe. And I'm still talking and trying to do this. And I do it because it's like so important to have that representation and it's important that folks know and to see that modeled, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm doing that today in my first class. And then I like was legitimately having a hard time 
breathing like I couldn't really talk anymore when I was done with that and again I'm like trying to play it cool but it's like not that cool and then I I, I think I had them like I was like Look, just read the first page of the syllabus and then I want to talk to you about something else um or, or whatever I just needed I had to buy myself like 30 seconds to breathe um so anyway I was like oh my god like this is was really um harder than usual today um and then after class, I had a student who came up and said, hey, I'm a part of the community and I just want to thank you for, you know, coming out and for, you know, representing. And I, you know, that just means so much to me. I really appreciate it. Um, and them saying that was so validating hmm. for me because sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm doing this. I know that it matters, but I don't always hear that from people and especially on today when it felt you know it felt hard um to have somebody immediately say like to thank me for doing that it made doing that in the second class so much easier and more meaningful for me i mean it was still a it was a similar experience of vulnerability visceral discomfort all that stuff but i felt easier for me to do and that just meant so much. And I, I think sometimes that students don't necessarily know how much hearing things like that from them makes a difference in our lives, to be perfectly honest. Hmm. Yeah, representation in the classroom is super important, um, no matter how hard that may be at times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I remember, I don't know, I just, I'm thinking back many years ago to be a college student and I didn't I didn't have a sense of my professors as vulnerable human beings or as um, folks who might be nervous or people like I, I was so focused really on my own experience um, that it wouldn't have occurred to me that they might need something from me or that something I might say could impact their life like that never occurred to me oh that always occurred to me of course it did you know, because we all people here. Um, I don't know. I took a lot of thinking and commitment with building relationships beyond just my peers. Hmm. Yeah, and of course it's different. I mean, different professors, different students are different. Um, and some of them you may try to connect with, and then, you know, they don't reciprocate that. Been there. Been there. But I tend to be the student where, like, you know, you got, you just gotta, you just gotta love me. You just gotta love me. Have to. Just. Yep. Yeah, that's a, actually a good tip for students to build relationships beyond the classroom with their faculty, especially in times in which you feel like you're struggling. Because there's been, I can think about times in um, college where I would have dropped out, but I would have made my professors disappointed, or they would have been. I'm sad to see me leave. And so that kind of made me want to stay if people were sad to see me leave. Right. Because, you know, or even like come to class, it's like, oh, no, like I can't disappoint this person. Like, so that's just enough to get you. Just enough to get you there. Yeah. Just enough to get you there. <laughs> to get you in the door. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, maybe that's one one takeaway is that the ways that we can extend kindness, care, attention to other people right now, like that may be like folks, some folks are hanging on by a thread. Yeah. We're barely, some people are barely there and I've been there. Yeah. And so we can, 
you know, we can take the edge off for folks um, and help try to give people enough foundation that, that we can rebuild during this really, you know, a time that's tough for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Yeah. So as students may be struggling, because, you know, especially for like second year, first year students, maybe this is their first time learning in a pandemic. So the circumstances are a little different, right? All our universities are operating a little different. So thinking of tips of how they're navigating this new landscape that we're all navigating together, I have some thoughts. Oh, let's hear it. Virtual learning. Let's start there. Okay. From a student perspective, don't do it in bed. Whoa. Oh. I, yes. Don't do it in bed. Why? Because you will fall back asleep. You're not paying attention. You're too comfy. You're too cozy. Right. I, I can see a lot of students, especially if you're allowed to have your camera off. Now, there's a lot of reasons of why you may have your camera off. But if you're in bed, you're not learning. You're not paying attention. I would recommend finding a, a regular spot that you go to all the time whether it's outside of your residence hall, outside of your home, in the library, in a quiet cafe. Listen, somewhere quiet that you can actually sit your laptop down and have a notebook next to you, I recommend. I recommend having your camera on if you can, if that's the kind of format your faculty is having, because you'll be more engaged. If it's not a lecture, I recommend talking more than you would in in-person learning. I find that um, virtual learning, it's hard to feel like you're in a classroom, like you're in a space with other people because you're online. It feels a little disconnecting. So sometimes over-interacting can help make you learn more, make you feel more involved. Also, I think this is a time where you should be over-communicating to your professor like going to office hours, trying to be in the mindset of being a college student as often as possible. And when there is issues arise, you know, it's a pandemic, you get sick. Yep. Yep. You know, you having to work more because there's a working shortage at your job. Tell your professor. You can't, there's an essay deadline coming up. It's not looking clear that you can hit it. Tell your professor. Over and over communicate and see if there is some type of something, some type of relief you can get there. That's what I'm thinking first virtual learning. Yep. I mean, I, I, you know, talked to my classes today about, you know, look, there's a lot of unexpected stuff that might go on, whether that's illness related or otherwise. Um, and what you cannot do is just ghost. Because if I don't see you, I don't hear from you for a month at a time. I don't know what's going on with you. And what can you do? Yeah. And I don't know how to support you or accommodate. And sometimes just doing the communicating to say like, hey, I got a lot going on right now. Um, I want to make sure I'm telling you about, you know, this. I'm going to miss class next week, um, but I'm going to do this and this and this. That accountability piece can make a difference in in you because that's such a bad feeling when you fall behind and you're out of touch with the class and with the professor. I mean, it can be hard to climb back from that. So I would say also, yes, absolutely communicate anything that's going on with your with your faculty member and also to reach out to the Dean of Students or other support services on campuses um, to support you in other ways. And you know what? I'm gonna extend this conversation to faculty. Faculty, when they're teaching in a virtual space. Mm. 
I would say if professors are not equipped with technology, this is the time to get better equipped. They have IT on speed dial. That's right. I have been at, I've, when I was in virtual learning, I can remember classes being very delayed because of not knowing how to work different software. So hopefully, you know, faculty can increase some of their um, technical abilities. Um, and I also think, you know, that you have to find new ways of being engaging with your students. They're no longer in the classroom standing in front of you. And even that can be difficult in, in person learning, engaging with students and getting feedback and getting students to talk. Um, even sometimes breakout rooms with students are like bone quiet in virtual. Rooms. I know. Sometimes I've visited a breakout room and, and, and it's they, awkward. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? And they're like, well, we didn't feel like talking. I'm like, wow. Well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing right now. So uh, let's get it together. Do you find any particular methods work for you or haven't worked? Uh, you know, honestly, I really don't like teaching online. Um, which is why I'm not doing it right now. Um, so I know that my strengths as a teacher are in person in the classroom. Um, that said, like you, the same things you, of course you have to do online and in person, and that is to create connection, to create a sense of belonging, to make it, you know, students are going to learn better if they want to be there. And that's true no matter the setting. Um, so what ways can, like, how can you foster a sense of belonging, connection, community, and how can you do that online? And I think depending on how big your class is, um, there are a lot of different ways to do it. And there are folks who are, you know, experts in how to how to teach well online. Um, but it's not, I don't find it easy. And I prefer a synchronous online class for the same reason. Like if we're all gathering at the same time and we can see each other, I, I give, I'm like very... Uh, when I teach online classes, I record videos of myself saying hi to everybody, talking about the class. And I send it out before the semester starts. Like I do a lot of FaceTime um, because I want them to have a sense of me as a person and uh, to like start to create a connection with me as a teacher. It's, it, it's hard for me, though. Sometimes I meet students and I'm like, uh, you were in my class. It was online. You always had your camera off. You never spoke. And I don't really have a sense that I know you like years later. And so that's the part about online learning that, you know, like you did everything you're supposed to do for that class. And I don't really have a sense of you. I mean, I'm glad that you have a sense of me, but I, you know, part of like teaching is relational. It's about relationships. Yeah. And I think, um, it's a struggle for me to do that online. And, and, and I admire my classmates, especially or my, my classmates, <laughs> my teaching, um, my colleagues, that's what I'll call them, right? I admire those who can teach online well. Mm -hmm. um, and there's certainly folks who do a good job at that. Yeah. And I hopefully, you know, students are going to office hours. I always say office yes. hours is where the magic happens because it does. Yep. Just when a person can put a face and a name to a face means all the difference. And I'm thinking about faculty in particular. I know faculty tend to operate in two different ways. Um, Educator. Uh -oh. Well, listen. Hey, we're going here today. We're going okay. Here. All right. All right. All right. You know, we're here. We're talking. We're gonna. We're gonna go there. Some faculty okay. operate with the aspect of I'm an educator. I'm here to touch student lives. I am here to prepare them for their next step. 
I am here to build relationships with them. I am here to be a positive influence, a mentor, a role model, and the list goes on. Some faculty, this is a space that you have paid for, that you are, I'm going to give you educational information. You receive that and everything in between is kind of your job. And so I think as a student, sometimes it's hard to navigate both of those lanes, um, right. especially when a faculty don't view themselves as an educator, because not every faculty view themselves as an educator. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, some, you know, certainly some folks see themselves more as scholars Yeah. or, or researchers. Like I provide Absolutely. the materials, it's their job to navigate and show up. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes we as teachers forget um, how it is for students to have to navigate like five different, not just five different teachers as human beings with their different styles and preferences and all of that, but also like five different, like you're a different person, basically, maybe not you, Jamil, because you're, you're 100% Jamil, um, but like you're often a different person in each classroom. Like you are asked, you're invited to be a different kind of person depending on that classroom space. And also the way people use online learning management systems is completely different. So like the way that my Blackboard site looks is different from somebody else's. Yes. yes. I always call that the politics of college. Because what it feels like, it feels like you're entering these different spaces and it can even be a you're retaking the same class, but it's different faculty and it's like a whole different experience. The way they teach, what they expect yep. of you, how you are allowed to show up, what is encouraged, what is not encouraged, like everything. Can you have your laptop out? Is like phones allowed? Are they not? Right. Can you speak to your peer casually? Are you not allowed to speak? Is that rude? Are you formal? Are you informal? Like some people are like serious. I'm Dr. So-and-so. Some people are like, just call me Fred. I had a great time last night. Right. Can I eat in this class? Can I? Yeah. Right. So different. And to navigate like five, six different environments while navigating the rest of university experience while navigating work and life. And then you add a pandemic can be so difficult for students to deal with. Yeah, especially in these first few weeks of the semester, because all of it's new. And I have, you know, I have some students now who they've been, they they took a year, year and a half off of school. Oh, yeah. And now they're now they're coming back. So they have they're they're coming back. Also pandemic. Also like all the stuff, you know. So it's um, that's a good point. Some folks took a year off, took two years. Yes. Off. Yes. Yes. Or maybe even going back to school for the very first time in a long time. Because job shortages, maybe they're changing right. fields. You know, the pandemic has made certain workforces pretty hard to work in. Retail, yeah. customer service jobs, healthcare jobs. Education. Are, yeah, education. People are leaving fields. So we may be even looking at a new population of students altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah. I have thoughts for students that are jumping back in to, to school. And I have some thoughts. I have th- your next podcast is gonna be called I-, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. I, you know, shout out to Allison because she said it during a meeting. Jamil's tagline is I have thoughts. I just always have thoughts. That's why you know we have podcasts. You do. I, you have more thoughts than I do. That's for sure. They just come to me. So, do you remember I used to be an academic success um, peer mentor? I believe they call them. Mm, yep. 
where you basically try to set students up to success throughout their academics. You know, get them, you work on time management, scheduling, all these different skills students need to succeed. Here's what I'm thinking, all right? We need to have time management down, down packed, especially in the pandemic. You know, we need a really good calendar. We need a yep. good routine, a good schedule. We need to do Jamil's textbook hack because you know, that's a good yep. idea. Yep. We need to also talk to all our professors individually, get a feel for the class. You know, is there some breathing room? You know, how, how late work works? That kind of stuff. Um, as a student, I always remember to looking at my syllabus. And as a faculty, you may hate this, but uh, I probably will. I used to look at my syllabus and go, "Is this important?" I would look at the grading because you know certain things take so much. Oh, I, I do hate this. I do. I you wish know, you would. It's true. Certain things take so much time, but are not worth many points. And if you don't have a lot of time, or you got to, I mean, I I know that this is true. And at the same time, yeah, like, how do you feel about that? I mean, it makes me, I, I don't know. I mean, everything that's in a class, if it's well-designed, is there for a reason mm. and it matters. I mean, I, I'm really more of a holistic grader than points. Like you can look at something and say, well, this is worth five points and this is worth 50. So the 50 point thing is like so much more important. I must spend more time on that. Now, that will likely take more time anyway, but it's possible that that five-point thing, I mean, is central to your learning and your experience mm. in the class. Um, so, I mean, I would, like, uh, whatever. I did that as a student, too. Like, but it, it also makes me think, you know, it's sort of of capitalism, and it's like, well, if something costs less, it's not, this isn't important. And, like... And but that's that, how it kind of feels at times as a student. Like, I'm doing this to get a point. I'm doing this to get a grade. Where, like, right. I'm, I'm thinking back, like, I'm reflecting. And I can think of every semester, these classes were, like, really important and really learning and educational. And other classes, I'm there because it's a requirement. And even the content felt like I was there to achieve X, Y, and Z points. And I'm thinking about like taking classes all at the same time that like your focus is being shared and dragged in different directions. Like yeah. one class you can have this week, these little blog posts, maybe, for example, that are worth very small amount of points. And then boom, one third of your grade in this class, in this other class, this huge research paper. I'm thinking back to prioritizing as a student. I'm going to have to give this my weight and not this other thing. And I think about privilege where you can, when you're able to sit in every one of your classes and fully engage and fully do the class to its capacity, right? having the privilege to do that. Cause I often see students don't typically have that privilege. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly, I mean, I, I'm kind of an idealist, I guess in that way. Um, but I also, I also think that sometimes you're probably gonna hate this. Oh, whoa. yeah. I mean, uh, so I, let's let's say that there's a difference between someone who's like working all these jobs and doing all this stuff, um, and trying to you know juggle five classes. So there's that person mm-hmm. who is really truly strapped for time um, and and perhaps overcommitted, right? Because out of necessity. 
And then there are other folks who um, could manage their time differently. Yes. And could get more things done. Um, and it, the, without sacrificing rest, without sacrificing a social life, money, money, money whatever. Money. It's like, how much time are you spending looking at your phone? Yes. Okay. And, and um, I agree. I think um, that's why in the beginning of the semester, I always recommend back to Jamo Tips, you know? I recommend checking into the offices in your university that support students. So if you have an academic success center, or maybe it's called something different, maybe it's a tutoring center, going to tutoring in the beginning of the semester, even when you don't believe you need it, can really help set the groundwork for you as a student, help you grow from semester to semester, because you're supposed to showcase some type of growth, I believe, in my mind. Sitting down with a person, maybe a friend, maybe a professional, and really dedicating time, because it you're supposed to put a certain amount of hours into credits. If you're taking five classes, you should be giving, if you can, like in the perfect world, 20, 25 hours to this coursework, to studying, to reading, to absorbing the work outside of going to class. You know, university, most of learning happens outside of the classroom. Um, and so I think doing those things and even maybe going to counseling services going sure. to a wellness center and working on like your spiritual and mental health while you're doing these things can really set the groundwork to having a really successful semester. Yeah. And having, having good systems in place, mm -hmm. you know, like you're saying with, you know, like setting yourself up for success so that, you know, you have good days, bad days, good weeks, bad weeks. But if your overall system is set up to support you as a student, you know, like, you know, that you sit in this chair, you know, and you do this class um, and you show up to, you know, your tutoring session, that's when you get this done. You know, you have those those regular systems in place to support you. That way you don't have to reinvent everything week to week and feel like you're behind. Um, and now, you know, beginning of the semester is the time to, to set up those systems. Yeah. I'm thinking back to my first semester. I had a system. When I mean, Did you? oh, I had a system system. And listen, this was a great system. So you know how freshmen don't pick their schedules their first semester? Well, at our university, they, they don't. You get handed a schedule. Well, I had the, the early classes, you know, first years typically get these super early classes, uh, like 745, these bright and early sunshine. Brutal, brutal. So I would have classes typically from 7.45 to 11 a.m. I would have lunch. And then I would go to the library. Our library at our university closes at 11 at the time. I would stay till 11. I would do my coursework for the week. I would do my readings. I would do tutoring. I would do study groups, all types of stuff. And then at 11 o'clock, my social life begins. And then at 2.33 a.m., Oh my God. we're starting this all over is this a good system I, it worked it was a good system was you a know system. but you know i don't know i don't know personalize your schedule that works for you yeah, sleep more than jamel please. it worked great for me i should have kept that going no no you need to sleep more i mean now you do now i do you sleep it worked at the time <laughs> yeah it's a struggle though i mean I, honestly I, this is something i'm constantly working on um yeah. Because it's really, there's so many distractions in life and also digitally. Um, 
you know, it's, it, it's tough to do. So if you, if you know someone who seems to be good at this, see if they'll show you their system for, you know, like, how do you organize your life? How do you organize your days? Um, how are you managing, um, and implement some of those practices? Now that I'm thinking about it, I stopped that schedule cause I started working and I can only yeah. imagine going to school and working in a pandemic, how challenging that may be. Yeah. Because being a student, really, you know, it feels like a job. Oh, it is a job. It is a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. New season, new semester. Yep. Um, we have some very interesting episodes for y'all. We do. And we are going to be asking y'all to to contribute in some ways to our future yes. episodes. Yes. It's about time you all joined the conversation. Yes. So be on the lookout. We'll, we'll, we'll share more, you know, as we go, but be on the lookout for calls to answer questions, to ask questions for our guests, to suggest um, podcast topics um, in the future and to contribute your, you know, your voice, your experience to, to our conversation. So we will be asking. So be prepared to chime in. And, you know, I'm hoping to be flooded with responses that we can maybe air, we can talk about, we can, we can hear what you all want to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, yeah. follow us on social media. Yes. If you, if you are enjoying the Real Talk Diversity in Higher Ed podcast, um, if you like us, you know, rate us, subscribe, follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, follow us on social media, comment, um, reach out to us, connect. Subscribe to our podcast, like our podcast, leave a review, share it to a friend, a neighbor, your roommate. Yep. All right, Jamil. I think that'll do it. We'll see you next week. Good luck with classes, everyone.